I want you to get your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, and uh, we're going to continue working through this week. Last week we were talking about guarding your heart from unbelief. Now, let me um, just say thank you. A lot of you have been giving me feedback about the series. It's been very helpful to you, and I think the reason it's been helpful is because uh, we all deal with this. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have to fight for your heart. And last week I talked about something that we can really deal with, and that is disappointment. How many of you in the room have experienced a season of profound disappointment in your life? Maybe more than one episode, all right? Most of us in this room, in fact, I think all of us, if we're honest, and I, you know, we have a little dog at home that's a little morky. It's about this big, weighs all of five pounds. That dog is the quickest little dog you've ever seen, and whenever I go into a room, shoots right in. Whether I want it in there or not, the dog, there it is. Open the door, right in. Um, here's the deal, the way unbelief works. When disappointment comes into your heart, you open the door, unbelief shoots right in, whether you wanted it or not. Because if you don't process disappointment correctly, you end up getting kind of knocked out of the game. And the hurt and the frustration, your mind starts wandering and you start the dog chasing the tail. And before you know it, the disappointment has caused unbelief to come right in. Now, most of us, if I said in this room, hey, who's dealing with unbelief? There'd probably only be a couple people brave enough to raise their hands. But can I just say, honestly, unbelief is one of those sins that we don't even realize we're suffering from. Because it just becomes like a low-grade fever. It's just like something we learn to live with. And you never realize you have it until the Holy Spirit really breaks through and really challenges you in a fresh way. So can I just say the devil's main goal in our lives is to take us out, uh, take our faith out of the game, to attack your faith, to cause you to live in unbelief. Because notice, if you live in unbelief, you're stuck in your past and you're stuck in your present because you keep focusing on that. And, and because you're stuck there, you'll never be able to look at this amazing future God has for you. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many of you want to please God with your life? I mean, I can't think of any goal any human being should have that's greater than living a God-pleasing life. After all, we're going to stand before him someday and we're going to give an account for our lives. I want him to say over me, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want him to say, I want to be able to say to him, I wanted to live, God, to please you in every way. You are my joy. You're my satisfaction, God. You're my delight. So the devil tries to go after your faith. That's the target. He wants to take you out. He wants to get you to where you're going. Eh, I don't know if I believe that. Or I prayed that, but nothing happened and on and on and on. You remember the story of, of Zechariah. He was a priest. He was very familiar with the things of God. He was a servant of the Lord. He was familiar with church. He was, a, he was a PK, all right? And he was a preacher himself. And yet, when the Lord came to him in a visitation by Gabriel and delivered this most amazing news, he said, you are righteous in my sight. You are well-pleased, God. You're highly favored in the Lord's eyes. How I many you know that's a great compliment right there? Uh, he's sharing his identity from God's heart right with him. And he said this. He said, God's heard your prayers. I mean, this is news for rejoicing. God has heard your prayers. And then he goes on and he says, you guys are going to have a kid. But you remember, Zechariah was more familiar with his past of infertility and barrenness and with his present every time he looked in the mirror if the head mirrors he realized how how uh, old he was getting and then he'd take a look at the little lady up oh, she's looking pretty old uh, got some wear and tear on her too and then he realized uh, people our age who have never been able to have kids certainly are not able to have kids now in other words the reality of the past 
and the pain of the present clouded him from the promise of the future. And this is what unbelief does. How many of you know God's not done with us? God's not done with you. God's not to be judged by your past experience with him because you're still alive. There's more life to live. And God always saves the best wine for the end. I just, someone needs to hear that. God saves his best stuff for the end. And it ain't the end yet. So do a little connecting of the dots. It means God is still at work in your life and the best is yet to come for those who believe. For those who believe. Or else you can just stay mired in unbelief. And you can stay full of disappointment. And can I just tell you, some Christians start well and they end in bitterness. And they don't finish well. Don't be one of those kind of people. I don't want to be one of those kind of people. So how do you finish well? You stay tender and you stay responsive. Say those words with me. Tender and responsive. That's the new birth. That's the heart you got when you were born again. It's tender and responsive. Fight for your heart. So this morning, oh, pastor, how do I know if if my heart's good? If you're tender and you're responsive to God, when you're obedient to the Lord and your heart is sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you love people and you love God, guess what? You're in a good place. And you're actually set up. Because listen, your past doesn't define you and your present doesn't define you because many of us are waiting in hope. How many of you are believing God for something now that you haven't seen yet with your eyes? Should be all of us. So that's why we're living, looking ahead for future grace and believing that all the promises in that book are true for me. And the promises, listen, it's one thing to say, well, yeah, I know God said it. Pursue the heart of God pursue the person we don't have a relationship with a book you have a relationship with a person the book tells you all about the person and reveals the person's heart but you have a relationship with the living God so let's pursue God that's why worship is so important worship is like you bring in your gift it's the gift of your heart And you let it out and you tell the Lord how much you love him. And this is not like a certain science or at Living Stones they do this or they do that or they cheer. No, we don't have like a a regiment here, all right? It's not like a worship regiment at Living Stones. Here's what we want you to be. Authentic, passionate worshipers of Jesus, whatever that looks like for you. But I just have this feeling, and when you become authentic and passionate, sometimes you just can't keep your hands down, and you just, you're just get, like, take me all, Jesus, all of me, take me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, no one taught you how to do that. That was a natural response of praise and worship flowing out of your heart. But you get it? Tender, responsive. Tender, responsive. That's, that's, the, that's the template for us. So take a look. When... when Zechariah was confronted with this amazing promise from an angel who ministers in the presence of God. This is his response in verse 18. How can I be sure this is going to happen? I am an old man and my wife is old too. All right, I'm paraphrasing. Verse 20, this is what the angel said. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you're going to be silent for the next nine months, all right? You're going to be silent. You're not going to be able to say a word for nine months because you didn't believe the word of the Lord. Now, aren't you grateful that God's not doing that right now to any of us, or we'd have a really quiet church, right? We all 
We'll all be doing sign language, myself included, all right? The story picks up. I want to start in verse 26. This is six months later, all right? Zechariah has not spoken. How many of you know when you talk to a pregnant lady and you're like past the six-month mark, ladies, am I telling the truth? You're ready to have this baby, all right? You start getting up eight, nine months, like, let's get this baby out of here. Think about what Zechariah was going through. Let's move this thing along, because I would like to be able to speak again, all right? That's where he's at. All right, take a look. We're going to start reading verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Here's Gabriel is on the move again to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And a little background of Joseph here, because Jesus is going to come from the line of David. Joseph was a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her, and he said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, confused and disturbed, that was Mary's response. Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Now let me just pause here. Mary's response is one that I hope all of us would have. If you had an angel named Gabriel show up and start to tell you, hey, I'm here and I got good news for you. You have found incredible favor in God's sight. In fact, you are a highly favored woman. Uh, I mean, you know, that would be pretty good news, but startling news. And humble people, when they encounter the supernatural and encounter the presence of God, uh, humble people start asking questions like this. Why me? Who, who am I? I mean, there's no pride in Mary's heart. Mary's, Mary's stunned because of the greatness of the moment and because of the smallness of who she is. She's just a little teenage girl. And she's overwhelmed, like, why is this angel here? And why are you telling me this? And why are you telling me that I'm favored by God? I mean, this news is almost too good to be true in her ears, and she's got no way to process it. It's not like every day an angel shows up and tells you these things. But humility always produces a sense of awe. And I want to encourage us, man, don't lose your sense of awe. And if you've lost it, go back and find a humble heart. Go back and cultivate a spirit of humility. Because the fear of the Lord is the proper response when depraved humanity encounters, encounters rather divine holiness. And so when God's presence is powerful, then it's normal for us to have a sense of fear until we're overwhelmed again by the kindness and the favor of Father God, which is what he's trying to comfort her with. Look at verse 31, amazing promise. You're going to conceive, Mary, and you're going to give birth to a son and you're going to name him Jesus. Now, to her Jewish ears, she would have been familiar with the promise of the Messiah, and her mind was probably listening to some of that language and racing back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where this was the word of the Lord. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and you're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When the angel showed up to Joseph, to minister to Joseph, this is what he said. Your wife, or your soon-to-be wife, Mary, is going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Why Jesus? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. It would have been passages like Isaiah and other passages which caused Mary to begin to wonder, what is going on here? And then it goes on in verse 32. And we begin to see the character of this child that she's going to carry. And I want you to see some of this amazing theology here. First of all, he's going to be very great, not just great, very great. In other words, Jesus is going to be worthy of our worship and our service and our surrender. And he's going to be called the Son of the Most High. In other words, he's not just a regular baby. This baby is divine. This baby is God. 
The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Notice the language here, a throne, a reign, a kingdom that's never going to end. This is a king in her womb, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, whose kingdom is going to reign and extend forever and ever and ever. It's an eternal reign that Jesus is talking about here. And so Mary is asking some questions here in verse 34, but I want you to see that the spirit of her questions is completely different than Zechariah's questioning. Mary simply asks the angel, how can this happen? In other words, I'm, I'm a virgin. This does not happen to young ladies who are virgins. They don't conceive. Mary's question comes out of a heart of wonder and amazement, while Zechariah's questioning came out of a heart of mistrust and unbelief. When you look at Zechariah, how many of you know, even though this promise was crazy, that in his old age, after a lifetime of struggling with infertility and barrenness, in his old age, they're going to have, to have a child. How many of you know Sarah had that promise? Rachel had that promise. Hannah had that promise. I mean, in other words, there are precedents that Zechariah, as a man of God, could have looked at and said, you know, this has happened before. This has happened before. God, God did this with Abraham and Sarah, and so now he's wanting to do it with us. I mean, faith could have arisen in Zechariah's heart, but instead, again, he stumbled over unbelief. But think about what Mary was dealing with. Mary did not have a precedent. There had never been a virgin who conceived and gave birth to the Messiah. This, was, this had never occurred before. She was in a unique situation. Uh, and this had never happened in human history. But listen, while she didn't have a precedent, she had a prophetic promise. We just read it in Isaiah chapter 7. She had a prophetic promise. But I want you to put yourself in this little teenage girl's shoes for a minute. Let's fast forward and pretend like it's today. Let's pretend like she's got an iPhone or a cell phone like most of the people in this room. And she just had this encounter with this angel. And she's letting mom and dad know. So she shoots out her first text. Hey, mom and dad. Great news. An angel appeared to me. I'm pregnant. Let's celebrate. How many of you think that would have gone over like a lead balloon, all right? Imagine trying to tell mom and dad about this crazy supernatural experience that just happened and this promised pregnancy that involves no man. And, uh, and let's just celebrate when this has never happened in human history before. Or how about her betrothed? How about when she shoots her text out to Joseph? Hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Don't worry, it's not yours. <laughs> Are you free for coffee tonight? Sometimes I think we pause at this passage and think about, yay, what an awesome moment, but can you imagine? How many teenagers we got in this room here? Wave at me if you're a teenager. Or no one's wanting to put their hand up now, all right? All you <laughs> all right. Imagine if you're a teenage young lady and you just got this news that while you are not married and while you've had no relationship relations sexually with any man, you're not only going to get pregnant, but you're going to carry the Messiah in your womb. And then your mind starts, after that initial news, starts wondering what this experience or what this call is going to cost you. How about misunderstanding? 
How about shame? How about rejection? How about what are the people at church going to say when I show up? How about all the gossip? Mary was a virgin, and she's wondering how she's going to conceive, and she's wondering how everybody's going to handle it. And then she realizes it's going to have to be something supernatural. Now, how many of you know, in all of our lives, if God's not moving supernaturally, we're living pretty normal, boring lives, and there's not much happening. In fact, if your life is marked by the mundane and the boring, and you're not seeing too much of the presence of God or the power of God, how many of you know it's a good time to hit your face and just say, Lord, I'm hungry for more? Because this is our inheritance. This is what God promises us. And she asks a good question. She says, does not compute. Virgin girl, pregnant, does not compute. How does, how's this going to happen? And this is what the angel said to her, verse 35. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The, the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Now, this word overshadow in the Greek is an amazing word. It, it literally means, uh, or two words, epi, which means upon, and skiazo, which means to cast shade. So, in other words, it's like God's presence. God walks into the room, and just his shadow completely envelops us. Now, how many of you know when the Holy Spirit envelops you that is an in other words that's an atmosphere where god is getting ready to do something supernatural in your life sometimes it's a word from god sometimes it's a promise from god sometimes it's a quickening from god but god says in this situation mary god's overshadowing presence is going to come upon you and when god's presence comes upon you his presence always brings his plans to pass now look at with me a couple passages where we see the psalm 17 verse 8 Guard me as you would guard your own eyes, and hide me in the shadow of your wings. How many of you think that's a good prayer for the times in which we're living? Lord, guard me like you would guard your own eyes. Protect me in the shadow of your wings. Look at Psalm 91, verse 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, how many of you know the promises of God to Mary are the same promises that God has to you? How many of you can think of any other blessing that would be greater than for God to pronounce over you that you are highly favored and that he's with you? Can I just tell you all this morning, if you're in Christ, here's the good news. You're highly favored and God is with you. You're not a normal person. You're not just trying to make it. You're not just trying to get by. You are highly favored by the Lord and he's with you and his presence envelops you. And when you're looking for help, hide in the shadow of the Almighty. His arms are over you. His, his wings, speaking metaphorically here, His wings are shielding you. And we're hiding in the shadow of God's presence. And then look at what it says next at the end of verse 35. So the baby to be born will be holy. This, this baby is special. This is a sinless child. And he's going to be called the Son of God. Again, reaffirming the divinity of Jesus. Now, I want you to see something about the power of a testimony, because look at verse 36, and sometimes I wonder, Lord, why did you put that in there? But, but here's what he did, and I think there's powerful reasons why. The angel goes on, and he says this to Mary, what's more, Mary, your relative Elizabeth, you remember old Elizabeth, you remember Zacharias' wife, old Elizabeth, all right, she has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. 
Why did the angel tell her that? I have an idea, and this is my idea. I think it's because there's something really powerful about hearing the testimonies of other people. What? Elizabeth and Zachariah? The ones who have been trying to have children all their lives and have not been able to have children, the ones who are really, really old right now, she's six months pregnant? Are you kidding me? Six months pregnant? Yeah, and notice the language here. People used to say, but that's not what they're saying anymore. How many of you know when God touches your life and the Holy Spirit overshadows you, what you used to be is not who you were anymore? I just say in my own life, when I would be stressed, overwhelmed, uh, wound up. Uh, sometimes I would be impatient and angry. Can I just say to the glory of God, that's who I used to be. It's not who I am anymore. I think my family can testify to that. There's a lot about who you were that is not who you are if the Holy Spirit has overshadowed you. And you should be able to say, you know, people used to say about me in my BC days, but they don't say that anymore because that's not who I am any longer. Now, I want to share a testimony with you, and I want to have Steve come up here. Steve, come, come up here. I want to, I'm going to have you stand with me on stage. The reason I share testimonies is because God is no respecter of persons, and if he can do it for one person, he can do it for you. In fact, he'd be pleased to do it for you. You know, I, I was a, a couple of months ago, probably now, um, I was coming into church. It was on, I think, a Thursday. Uh, because that's when the homeschool co-op's gathering and your precious family's involved in that. And our parking lot was full of EMT vehicles with the lights on and everything, and I, I had no idea what was going on. We found out later it was your precious little daughter, Savannah. How old is Savannah? Savannah's seven. Seven-year-old. She had had a seizure, and, you know, all the medical folks were called, and she had never had a history of seizures before. This was completely out of left field. And obviously, if your seven-year-old little daughter is having a seizure, uh, any parent in this room would be greatly alarmed and concerned that it took her from the hospital locally, took her up to Chicago, did all the CAT scan, brain scans, and all that. What did they find? Yeah, so that goes back uh, seven weeks now um, when this started. And uh, it was a severe seizure that she had, and never a history of any um, uh, seizures before either. And so we were at the local hospital, and they ended up shipping us to University of Chicago and brought her to the uh, pediatric intensive care uh, because the, the seizure was that severe. Um, I'll try to get through this. I've been crying all morning already. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they did, uh, you know, different scans and MRIs, and they found some issues with her brain, some inflammation on the left side of her brain, and also diagnosed her with what they called a, uh, a glioma tumor. Um, on the right side of her brain. So that left us <laughs> in a spot of, uh, you know, a really dark moment to, uh, uh, to experience that. So the, the next step from there was to see a neurosurgeon at the University of Chicago, and that was a, a week following when all this started. And so the neurosurgeon read through that MRI and, and uh, you know, basically confirmed that, and his diagnosis was that, um, there's either a malformation in her brain or there's a tumor there and we need to do some additional MRI testing to take a look at it. So this past Tuesday was when we had that MRI and um, ended up hearing from the doctor then on Wednesday morning. And before you get to that, mm -hmm. what I love about a godly father uh, is that he turned his heart and attention to Jesus 
and got prayer for his daughter. The church family was praying for her. You know, rally the people of God together, get God's people praying. Uh, and then you went back in and then share what happened. Yeah, so just to, to add to that too, the Lord just just called us to uh, just deep into, into seeking Him, into praying. And uh, my wife and I prayed together um, for it's been 49 days straight now, and we don't have a history of praying daily together, but um, just seeking the Lord and praying most of the time just on our knees, um, a lot of crying and tears. I, I think I've cried more in the last seven weeks than I have in the last seven years. Um, and so it's been a, a, a time of, of closeness of the Lord and, you know, dark times through those moments as well that we've struggled. Um, so hearing from the neurosurgeon on Wednesday, uh, he called us and he starts out the conversation with, you know, there, there's some interesting findings, which kind of take, <laughs> takes your mind a lot of different directions, he said, but, but positive things. Um, all the inflammation on the left side of her brain was completely gone. Um, and then he said that what we saw on the right side of her brain, he's like, that's completely gone too. <laughs> he said one difference is there's, you know, we see some other type of activity, inflammation, uh, maybe in her brain that we need to take a look at. We're going to send you back to a neurologist again. Um, but basically, you're done with me as a neurosurgeon. No surgery, no tumor, no cancer, no biopsies, and all that stuff. Amen. And I love this. You wrote here that this neurosurgeon has looked at over 6,000 tumors in his career and diagnosed Savannah with a brain malformation or tumor. He's now reading the MRI to say it's completely gone. So this is no novice, this is a specialist. He's, he's familiar with brain tumors and kids and all this kind of stuff. And he's stunned with, uh, with what's going on. Now, amen, thank you for sharing that. And we were rejoicing with you guys. Now, I share that on purpose because the purpose of a testimony, the Bible says we defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and loving not our lives even unto death. In other words, we're completely yielded to the Lord and His purposes for our life. Now, I share that because there are people out here right now that are believing for healing in your family. And I want you to hear God is moving and God is touching. I also love the fact that you guys pulled together as husband and wife and really went after the Lord. You humbled yourself and you sought the Lord and you sought the Lord and you sought the Lord and you prayed and you, you kept pursuing God. There's something powerful about that as well. But I want faith to arise in your heart. I also want, I want to say this right away too. Many times we go through disappointments. I've prayed for, for children uh, that didn't get the healing and that went home to be with the Lord. Those are really hard situations. And if you're sitting out here today and you've lost a loved one and the story didn't end maybe that way, then sometimes the devil wants, first of all, to get us angry at God or say, well, God, how come you helped the Paul family? Why didn't you help our family? I mean, have you ever had that thought come into your mind, right? The devil's good at that. Or you say, hey, Lord, you know, um, you know your word says this and it didn't, you didn't seem to perform your word the way maybe we wanted to. That's what I'm talking about. That's the disappointments 
that come through life. I don't understand as a pastor why the same same people, same prayers, same prayer chain, same word, same going, going after God, and why sometimes you get different results. But listen, we don't have to understand it all. I just want to say this, and this is a promise for some of you. I've seen this over and over again. Many times, the area the devil attacks us the strongest is the area God's trying to birth something supernatural out of our lives that's to be a blessing to other people. And I, I just want to encourage you with this. Sometimes we do our best to avoid brokenness, but brokenness is really great. It, hate, it is painful to get there, but brokenness simply means you allow the Lord to take your life like they took Jesus' life and what they nailed it on a cross and they broke it. And we're going to celebrate communion next Sunday, by the way. It's going to be really, really powerful as we move into the new year. We're going to celebrate communion. And we're going to have a testimony time uh, where you guys are doing the preaching. So get ready to preach next week. I don't mean literally, but I want to hear some testimonies. But here's my point. If you'll take to the Lord your areas of brokenness and you'll say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I trust you. And Lord... How many of you figured out when you're in your season of brokenness, you have great compassion for other people who are going through a similar thing? If, if, if you're in this room and you've lost a child, you have incredible compassion for people who have lost a child or whose children are struggling with something. Am I, am I speaking the truth, all right? If you've had an illness in your family or someone struggled with this or that or maybe the heart condition or, or how about infertility, the pain of infertility and some of these things, you have tremendous compassion for people who are going through the same thing. And listen, out of your brokenness, God can many times do through you the very thing you trusted him for and tried to walk through yourself. God will work that miracle through you if you'll be open to him and you'll not be bitter and you'll not be full of unbelief, but if you'll trust him. Does this make sense? So we're in a season where people need healing. And I'm sharing online. Some of you are at home. You need healing. We're going to pray at the end of this service and believe God for a supernatural touch. There's people watching amazingly because of internet all over the place, all in other countries watching. You need a miracle. God is a miracle God. How many of you all still believe that? Amen. That's why testimonies are important. That's why God said to Mary, Mary, your relative is pregnant. And guess what? That means there's hope for the word over your life, too. You can be pregnant as well. In fact, you're going to be pregnant. And Mary, uh, and this is what the angel ended up with. He said, for the word of the Lord, verse 37, will never fail. Or as the ESV says, for nothing is impossible with God. Genesis 18, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Jeremiah 32, 17, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and your powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. If there's one thing I want us to get into our spirits and just meditate on as we move into 2022, let's meditate on this truth right here. Nothing is too hard for you. When I do a hospital visitation to pray for somebody, when I'm walking into that room, I'm, I'm meditating, Lord, nothing is impossible for you. And so you pray in faith and you believe God and you expect God to do great things because the Bible says nothing is too hard for God. So listen to me. If there's a place in your life where you have come up with this, this little line of reasoning where you're like, ah, I don't really think that God can do that. You've just agreed with the devil, all right? You've just agreed with the accuser. What is too hard for the Lord? Nothing is too hard for God. God can do it all.
And I want you to see what happened next. We're going to close with this. Mary's faith-filled response. And I want to talk to you about the power of yes. In verse 38, this is what Mary says. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the Bible says the angel left her. Listen to this line. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come to pass. The ESV says, let it be to me according to your word. This is a beautiful place to be. How many of you have surrendered your life to the Lord and you're his? You belong to him. Wave at me if that's you. I love what D.L. Moody said. He said, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. That's pretty profound. If you really believe God can do more with you than you, then you'll give him your life. And Mary, I want you to see this, the power of a simple yes. Mary agreed with what God said. She said, all right, I don't have to understand it. In fact, there was no way possible to get her brain around what was about to happen. And she could have thought of all the what ifs. I'm too scared. I'm just a teenager. Pick somebody else. Why me? She could have pulled the Moses thing, right? But she didn't. She just simply said, all right, I I don't get it. Um, But this is amazing, and I cannot deny what's going on. And, And so, Lord, everything that you said about me, may it come to pass. Now, I don't know about you, I'm praying that prayer for me. Lord, everything that you want to do through Ron Johnson Jr., Lord, may it be. And I was reminded even of these words, Lord, just, you know, whatever you want. That was basically the words my mom and dad shared to God after a crazy prophetic encounter that confirmed a crazy prophetic encounter earlier where God was getting their attention to lead a football coach and a homemaker to open up their doors and start ministering to marriages and start ministering to families and then ultimately to open their doors and say, well, uh, we're going to open up our house to become a church. God gave them the name Living Stones later. But how many of you know that was 40 years ago, a simple couple that were way over their heads that had an encounter with the Holy Spirit who told them to do something that they had no idea how to do it. And all they said was, okay. And you know what? Mary, this little teenager, who didn't come from power and wealth and money and all this kind of stuff, she's just a humble little lower class teenage girl. But how many know her yes impacts us today? And I really want to encourage you guys. Spend time coming into the new year Surrendering to God. Give Him your life afresh and anew. I don't care what age you are. It's always great to say, Lord, I am yours and you are mine. And Lord, my life belongs to you. And I don't want to live it selfishly. And I don't want to try to figure it out. I just want to love you, God. And I want my life to count. And listen, if you'll come to that place of surrender, and you'll come to that place of worship, and you'll let the Holy Spirit overshadow you, God will take your pretty much normal life right here in Northwest Indiana, and God will accomplish things through you individually and through us corporately that will impact, I hope, millions of people. Millions of people. Does anybody just have a yes in your heart to the Lord? 
even this morning, you know, I don't, there might be people that haven't ever said yes to Jesus, but you know what? Today's your day to say, yes, I, I want Christ to rule my life. I, I want him to be in charge of my life. But not just for people who maybe don't know the Lord. I'm talking about believers today. If you got a yes in your spirit toward the Lord, I want you to stand to your feet, and I just want you to tell the Lord, yes, God, my life is yours. Yes, whatever you want to do. God, whatever your purpose is for my life, yes. God, whatever your promises over me, yes. Lord, whatever you want to do through living stones, God, and whatever the price to pay, yes, 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 a thousand times over. And I especially want to pray for the sick today. If you're dealing with a situation in your household where there's illness, I just want you to lift your hands, and I, I want to pray for people watching online. And, and let's just reach out to God in fresh faith and believe the Lord. Father, we thank you for little Savannah Paul and for the way you touched a seven-year-old girl. And Lord, that her brain is tumor-free. And Lord, that's a miracle. And we honor you, God. We honor your goodness and your kindness. We honor your power. Lord, nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you, oh God. And Lord, we trust you today. There are people watching online right now. Just ask God. Agree with us and your church family here. Let's believe right now God's breaking the power of a virus on your life. God's breaking fevers off people. Lord, we curse every demonic attack over your people. Lord, for other tumors right now that would dissolve and be healed, for hearts to be healed, for bodies to be healed. Lord, that you break off the yoke of infirmity off of people. And God, even as you reminded Mary that it was her relative that was experiencing a miracle. It caused her heart to well up with faith. Lord, let faith arise across this place today. God, take our brokenness and Lord, flow out of our hearts to touch people who are hurting and who are sick and who are far from you and God, who are really under a weight right now of discouragement. We break the power of depression off of people in Jesus' name. Lord, you are mightier and stronger than anything we face. God, I pray, let the joy of the Lord be our strength in this house. Lord, raise up the spirits of everybody here today. Lord, we've had a rough season. People are tired. People are weary. Maybe unbelief has crept in. Lord, we thank you. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They're going to rise up. They're going to soar on eagles' wings. And Lord, we're going to accomplish all that you've intended for us to accomplish. So break the back, Lord, of discouragement and depression right now. Lord, for those who are mending, we thank you. We speak strength into their lungs, strength into their bodies, O oh Lord, strength into their health right now, Lord, that they would rise up and, Lord, return to health. And, God, there are so many miraculous things that only you can do. Lord, there are so many people facing challenges right now that are bigger than any of us have answers for. But we thank you, God Almighty, that we serve the King of glory. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. So, Lord, release your power right now. Release your healing right now. 
And Lord, we want Living Stones to be a place that is overshadowed by the Most High God. Holy Spirit, we love you and we welcome you. Come and move and touch and do what only you can do, Lord. Father, you prophesied that this place, Crown Point, Indiana, would be an epicenter of harvest. Harvest that would spread out in three 300-mile concentric circles of revival. God, we reach a hold of that promise, Lord. We grab onto it, oh God. Lord, we're holding on in faith. We're speaking and calling things that are not as though they are, Lord. We believe you. We believe your word defines reality, oh God. And one word from you changes everything, Lord. So tune our ears right now. Tune our ears to listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. God, speak to us. God, awaken our hearts. God, kill that spirit of unbelief that quenches us from moving ahead in faith. Lord, we thank you for your power here today. Come on, just worship him. Give him your yes. Lord, that's me. Say, God, use me. God, use me. God, heal me. Whatever it is that you need. Yes, Lord, we believe. Whatever the cost, yes, Lord, we're going to follow you. Father, thank you for Mary and for her faithfulness and obedience. And thank you most of all for the promise, which is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, may we take him, the fullness of him, out of here with us today into every challenge we face. And how about this, church? I'm believing that as you carry the glory of the Lord this week, the joy of the Lord There's going to be many opportunities for you to stop and to pray with people. Give them hope. Give them Jesus. Give them the power of the gospel. And Lord, may you confirm your word with signs and wonders following. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Yes, Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if anybody needs prayer for anything, we'll be here to love on you, all right? But have a great day. Don't forget to bless those missionaries on your way out, all right? Have a great week. We'll see you on Friday.